Of course, it, isn't it also strange that every time we have this conversation about death, that in the in this imaginative scenario, I'm always the first one that goes. <laughs> listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. Welcome back to the conversation, our conversation, and we welcome your feedback as we talk. Um, be writing, jotting down your thoughts, and uh, or, or uh, write us an email afterwards. We'd love to hear from you. As we jump in this morning, we want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together for all of your support and your continued investment in uh, in this ministry, in this opportunity. Uh, I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Belzamo. How are you, Tom? Hey, good. How are you this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, look, looking forward to it. As I looked at the list this morning, I, uh, I, I could, we could talk about any of them for just about. I, yeah. I'm excited about it. Okay. Um, well, I'll let you uh, take the lead there, if you, if you like, and pick yeah, one of bet. these. Yeah, you bet. Um, <laughs> I want... <laughs> We're, this is like this is like a speed intro into our into our usual podcast. Before we, I, I had this observation, and this is completely <laughs> random. Okay, I figured last time with you mentioning you know a, a couple episodes, the fruity unicorn O's. Um, <laughs> yeah, random things that strike you as odd. Something yes, struck yeah. me as odd, and what was that? I, I'm I'm struggling to understand it. We we recently traveled out to Columbus, Ohio, um, for a whirlwind trip. And drove out there and back in in like a day and a half. And yeah, yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't understand the number the sheer number of shoes that I would notice laying along the side of the highway. Really? You know, yeah, like you know every every you know I don't know how many miles you know it was, but <laughs> you, you'd see just a single shoe laying there. And it wasn't just one occasion of this. It was multiple times that I would see a shoe laying there. And I'm not talking about a sandal or a flip flop. That could conceivably come off easily. It's a like an actual shoe. Man. <laughs> yeah, and I was having this thought: under under what possible scenario do you lose a shoe while traveling down the highway? Yeah, do you like throw a shoe and, and, and only that shoe? Yeah, I, I mean, I understand some people stick their feet out the window while driving. You've probably seen that. <laughs> um, but I, I've always seen people do that barefoot. I've never seen, maybe because they already lost the shoe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. under what scenario are you just losing shoes driving down the highway? Is this is right. this some oh. normal thing that I don't understand? Or like are people driving down the highway just chucking a shoe out the window? Yeah, and why one? Yeah, why one? Maybe they stepped in something bad and they realize it while they're driving. Like, and, if you don't stop just... talking in the back seat, I'm going to throw your shoe out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they do. Maybe it's kids. Right, give it to me. <laughs> Yeah, I just didn't know if maybe there was an explanation for this I'm missing. Uh, not that I know of. It's like of well, epidemic I, I, proportions, uh, you know, shoes <laughs> showing up alongside the highway. Something's happening. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Conspiracy, man. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you uh, <laughs> for that input. Don't laugh too hard. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I'm a little sore this morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's see here. Um, I think I wanted to start off with this, and it's going to segue right into a listener uh, question that okay. we had. All right. But uh, we've talked in, in the past, or I've made, you know, passing reference to the fact that there are stupid questions. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I remember being on being somewhere here a few years back, and I said, and, and this is a preface I'll sometimes make. Now, this may be a stupid question, but, you know, and then I'll ask a question, because the person you know, who's hearing it might think, oh my goodness, you don't know that much about this subject. So I'll preface it with that. Well, this, you know, young lady kindly replied, oh, there are, there are no stupid questions, or something like that, which 
I appreciate what she was saying is, you know, don't, don't feel embarrassed. Any question you ask is a good question. But biblically speaking, um, there are stupid questions. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and so I got to thinking about this here a while back. What makes um, a foolish question foolish? And, and, I'm, and I'm referring specifically, um, there's here Second Timothy. Mm-hmm. Um, let me find that. It's 2 and verse 19. Um, uh, 23. No, 223. 223. Okay. Yeah. Um, get there. And it says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. So there's obviously, Paul is, is referencing a certain kind of question, and he calls it foolish, and he actually mm-hmm. commands us to avoid them. And he tells, you know, a, uh, an outcome of those kind of questions. Titus 3.9, similar, but fo- avoid foolish questions, and he goes other things, for yeah. they are unprofitable and vain. So my yeah. question uh, this morning is, what, we say, oh, okay, a foolish question. I, and, I, and I was saying a stupid question, a stupid question. Okay, don't ask stupid questions. Well, that may seem subjective, yeah. but there is, there is um, we can fill that content, you know, we, can, we, can, we can draw out of that word foolish and actually get an understanding what is a foolish question or what makes a yeah. foolish question foolish. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Paul wasn't averse to asking questions and having conversations where strife was a potential outcome. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, he, he was a man used to contending for the faith. So, I sure. mean, if you look at the verse that we just read, these foolish and unlearned questions, he says, avoid them, knowing that they do gender strifes. So what makes this question that genders strife different from the contending that Paul would often do? That would result sure, in strife. As, as he as he reasoned together with people about the gospel right so it know. must be in in a sense a, a question that unnecessarily and unproductively gender strife okay okay that would be my first uh thought about it which would kind of lead maybe in some way to the intent of the question mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so yeah. you know if somebody asks you a stupid question it might actually be a stupid question but if they really don't know and and they don't really understand the implications of the answer yet that it could potentially cause strifes, but they, it's an honest question. I wouldn't call that a stupid question um, on its face because they're, they really, they really want to learn. But if someone's asking the question, <clears throat> knowing, according to Second Timothy 2.23, knowing that the question will engender strife, um, that, that may be the cause for calling it a stupid question. Yeah, that would be part of it. Um, although I do think there is a category... You know, there's something, um, you know, where he's saying, he's not saying, um, yeah, anyway, there's some, when you say a foolish question, what define a little bit more. So uh, you did you did say the intent, I Yeah, agree. the intent. I would say the motive. Good, good. Uh-huh. yeah. What else? Is there anything else you'd say? Um, well, yeah. I mean, if someone's asking a question in an in inappropriate way, I think mm-hmm. that good. that could engender strife. There's a, there's a nice way, a respectful way to ask a question. Um, good, good. Uh, yeah, you're hitting on on ones that I um, there's there's one other one here which is sort of assumed I think some to some degree in what you're saying, but you didn't state it. Um, and uh, and that is the attitude. Mm. Uh, it is is a lot of times there's a pride involved um, because we'll ask gotcha questions mm. or questions in te- you know intended to make someone obviously to make ourselves look superior to to demonstrate a personal superiority and to uh embarrass the other person yeah. through a question you know do you do you think that that's always a bad thing gotcha no. questions 
Uh, well, I mean, as we define gotcha questions, I think that they're sort of they're sort of dumb uh, overall because they are. But I mean, but I think what you're saying by that is it is it um, to to yeah. expose someone's weakness of argument through a question? Is that a problem? No, that's yeah. not a problem. Well, because I mean, I it's be arguable. It's arguable that there were gotcha questions that Jesus posed um, to the religious leaders. Basically, and, and if I if I could define a gotcha question, I'm essentially saying yes. that you you make a, a statement or ask a question in such a way that under someone's current worldview, they have no answer. And it, it puts them in a position where they have to expose the fact that they have no good answer for that. Mm hmm. And and that's yeah, and I don't see a problem with that necessarily because to me the way I would perceive a gotcha question is framing a question where the the answer can't be explained broadly enough, and so it makes you look a way that you're not. You know, in politics, um, you know, and it, it's the old uh, you know, are you going to keep beating your wife or something? <laughs> uh, we're like, what? No, I don't beat my what? You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. People, so they have to like, they respond a certain way based on the way that they feel, but it's without context. And so then you can rip it out of context and you make the guy look, yeah. you know, uncompassionate, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's because it wasn't really a like, no, explain to me what you mean. It's a, can you put the answer to this question in such a way that I can slap you in the face with it? And that's yeah. kind of a, but what you're saying well, there's is- there's malicious intent it, that goes back yeah. to intent. But going, but going to the, uh, their worldview lacking, that's, that's the use of a question to expose a weakness. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that can be good. Yeah. But I think when you think about the idea of foolish, he says, um, but avoid foolish questions. It's wise, <laughs> no pun intended, to um, define the term foolish. What, what is foolish? Well, if you go back to Proverbs, it's the opposite of wise. And so we have mm -hmm. to keep going back to defining our terms. The problem with uh, foolishness in Proverbs is not um, a lack of knowledge. It's a rejection of knowledge. Right. And, and it's so, so, so the idea of a foolish question is, is one that we'd say is not a wise question. It's not a question that's geared towards understanding God's way. In other words, I want to understand wisdom. I want to understand what God wants in a certain situation or how to correlate these things. Uh, and so that goes to what I would call goal, and you called it motivation. There's no mm -hmm. true motivation to properly understand God's way. Right. Uh, and then you go to the idea of intent. Sometimes a question, as many statements can be, but I suppose questions can also have a, an, an intent to deceive or to mislead. Um, or as we said, even the intent to embarrass, uh, mm -hmm. you know, or or to cause division, or um, you know, how many how many times in spats, you know, between <clears throat> you know couples with that don't have a healthy marriage relationship, a question is just thrown out there like a dagger. But it's a rhetorical question, or it's a yeah. question that's meant to to harm, to hurt. Yeah. Um, well, I you know to pause on that one for a second. Yeah. A question. Yeah. You, you said to deceive, and then you said to mislead. And I, I, not to be overly pedantic, but I think those might have different connotations. <clears throat> and for maybe... instance, for instance, you know, and, and when I think mislead, I think in some sense misdirect. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, when Jesus asked, when, when they asked, when Jesus asked the Pharisees, you know, about John, the, the, the Baptist, you know, uh, his baptism, you know, was, was, was he of heaven yes. or was he of men? Yes. He asked them a question. Yes. And the goal was in a sense to lead them in a different direction to where they were stupefied. And they knew that if they answered the question one way, they're, they're dinged. And if they answered the question the other way, then they're dinged. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that misdirecting is a 
foolish question if you if you pose it in the form of a question mm-hmm. or redirecting it because uh, yeah. because uh, and I got I could see situations we talked about even um, the idea of the vaccination thing and if you redirect the question right. you redirect the conversation what was the word the you used for that an artful dodge that's an artful dodge yeah so but you know if there is um, the intent to you know somehow somehow deceive the person. Or there's the attitude of pride, um, and again, that's that's it goes back to intent, um, but it's you know this attitude of wanting to demonstrate your personal uh, superiority. Mm-hmm. And then number four, I think of manner. Uh, you said it could just be asked in the wrong way, mm-hmm. um, and and that could be a few different variations there. But maybe it's dis- asking a question disrespectfully, you know, of a of a superior. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Well. No, 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 no. A child doesn't talk to a parent that way, or a, or an employee, an employee to a boss speaks respectfully if asking a question. But to ask it the wrong way can gender strife, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I would say timing. Um, mm. That there is a time to ask a question, and there's a way to ask a question, and um, and that's part of the art of appeal is knowing how and when to approach a superior or to approach, uh, if you will. Um, well, yeah, a superior and and request you know a change now not, when you yeah, go back not to that, on monday morning always on friday afternoon there you go <laughs> and manner <laughs> yeah i think about a soft answer turneth away wrath but grievous words stir up anger well in a similar yes. way to speak to ask a question harshly and angrily doesn't always really serve the purpose so anyway i think those are but primarily i i i think the the core um of that question goes back to the um, definition of foolish. What is a foolish question is a question that truly is not seeking to understand God's way, which would be a wise question. It's not seeking to gain more knowledge and, and more understanding. In, in some way, it's just meant to whatever else foolishness does, to feed itself, yeah. to you know ramble and wander on, or to engender ridiculous thought, you know, whatever. Right. But um, so anyway, yeah, that's interesting. That was a, yeah, yeah, um, to actually kind of tease out what he's saying there. And then if I could follow that up with a listener question. Sure. Um, with this, we've had this one sitting for a while, but um, uh, it is enjoyable to think about. He says, uh, question, hello. Um, I was wondering your thoughts on a question I had for you. Is it sinful to knowingly make an unwise decision? Is it sinful to knowingly make an unwise decision? Just for example, and he says, and trust me, this is purely hypothetical. <laughs> Suppose I decide it's finally time for me to buy an awesome new sports car. <laughs> I can hardly afford it, but the bank will give me a 10-year loan. <laughs> it's a gas guzzler. Insurance will be through the roof, and it won't even be big enough for my whole family to ride in, but I really want it. I know it's not a wise decision, but I decide to splurge and buy it anyway. Besides this being foolish, is it sinful? Is it always foolish? Or excuse me. It is always foolish to sin. But is it always sin to act foolishly? So uh, thoughts you've got there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say that, yes, if you know it's a foolish thing and you do it anyway, you are in a sense sinning against your conscience. You are sinning against uh, the wisdom that the Lord has imparted to you already to make a good decision. Uh, and I would say that doing so knowingly would would be sinful. Um, and and my, my thought is, is James 4.17. Um, yes, and, and he mentions that. I see that, that he later. mentions that here too, yep. as well. Uh, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Yeah. Um, and 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 that that I think is what differentiates 
um, an adult from a child in many ways. You know, the, we think of the innocence of a child. Well, they do foolish things all the time, and it's because mm-hmm. they haven't learned yet many times. Yeah. And really, when, when you start, child, I spoke as a child. Yes. Um, and really, when you start to hold them more responsible, is when they know, <laughs> and they sin, they act foolishly anyway. Um, and yes, right. Yeah, right. and we're told that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, and it is the rod of correction that drives that far from them. Uh, so there is, in a sense, an expectation of discipline when someone acts foolishly at a certain point, and I think that point is when they're knowingly foolish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So, so their knowledge, their degree of knowledge, has uh, almost everything to do with answering that. Um, and, and I think that goes to again. The idea of foolishness not being ignorance, but a rejection of knowledge, right. um, is that when, when we're being foolish, it's not that we're being uh, what we might call foolish, it's not that we're ignorant necessarily of right, but that we are, uh, but that we're rejecting. I mean, th- yeah. it's where those two, it's where those two concepts of foolishness you know, divide where the difference is going to be. He goes on with some thought thought here, again, mentioning James 4, 17, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Um, and I, my thought is, to, to really break it down here, who defines, and this is really important for us to understand, especially as we read scripture and we read this word, we read the word good. Yeah. And we may think, well, I know what good is, and we determine what is good. But who defines what is good? In an absolute sense, that would be God. Yeah, absolutely. So when Scripture says, when Scripture, which is the revelation of God, says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, that's an absolute thing. Uh, it's not to him that knows how to do good according you know, to his own personal moral standard. It's, it's to him that knows how to do good according to God's standard. Yeah. Well, our listener here throws kind of a monkey wrench into the question that, that'll make you think. He says, but don't we constantly make decisions that are, quote unquote, second best? How far do we take this? If I know potato chips are bad for me and carrots are good for me, is it a sin to snack on potato chips instead of a veggie tray? So is that is that a case in which you know to do good, but you eat the chips instead, you know? Yes, yeah, and that's where that- I feel like we are, we're not... Um, Kind of coming to a, a solid um, you know, foundation of what uh, I, I think we have to question our understanding of what is truly good and not conflate the term um, with with maybe how it's used in scripture versus how we use it. Um, and and the thought I wrote was, you know, what about mac and cheese? Okay, is mac and cheese like good for you, as we would say, good for you? It's mm, not great. Not real. No, not really. Yeah, it's it's you know pasta with white flour and you know it's processed and has a shelf life of you know twenty three years and whatever you know. I mean, it's, so it's all it's all this. But but let's say I, uh, I I make that for my family. Am I sinning? Is that a moral evil to eat less good than say you know um, a healthy diet and a deck size you know a deck size yeah. piece of meat with some. Uh, you know, arugula salad, and right. you know what I mean, with, with a with a with a homemade dressing and all this yeah. stuff. You're like, well, that would cost you five times as much, right? And we can't afford that. Yeah. Well, and um, and I mean, for that matter too. Of illustration. Yeah, and for that matter too, if if I'm supposed to have a good testimony in my appearance, why don't I buy a four thousand dollar suit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's another spin on that. That's a that's a neat thought too. So I mean, there's there's multiple things to consider in situations like that, and so when we're talking about good as a moral right and wrong versus quality. Well, quality is on a spectrum. And so 
you have to say that quality is a gray area to a point. There has to be, yeah. in that realm of quality, there has to be a gray area. Uh, just because something lacks depth doesn't make it a moral evil. I see. Um, okay. So to talk, so to go, to, you know, talk to somebody um, about the weather. That's not a deep conversation, but it's not morally wrong to do so um, in all contexts. Now, if I'm talking about the weather because I'm trying to bypass God's uh, instructions to me to witness to my neighbor, and I'm too afraid to do it, so I'll only ever talk about the weather. Well, that's wrong in the sense of I'm disobeying God's you know, leading me to witness to my neighbor. But the con- con- but conversing about weather isn't a moral evil just because it lacks depth. Right, um, right. Yeah, that, that's, so, a good, that, that's a good distinction there because I think, I think what's happening is, and I don't think the listener who wrote this is, is doing this. I think he's noticing here the equivocation in it, that, mm-hmm. that someone can falsely equivocate what you're saying, morally good things versus qualitatively, qualitatively good things. Yes, mm-hmm. and and they're not, and there seems to be, from what you're saying, there seems to be a place and a time and a scenario where sometimes the quality of a thing mm-hmm. does mesh with the moral goodness of a thing, yes. but it it isn't always that case. Correct. Um, because he gives an illustration here in his question. Um, he says, uh, of course, with the whole veggie tray in- illustration, he says, I'd say no, of course, but does that analogy hold true in other areas of foolish and wise choices? Do we always have to choose what is best instead of what is just okay? What about the hymns we sing? Some hymns are more doctrinally robust than others, but yet we occasionally sing the lighter, fluffier, enjoyable songs instead of only the quote-unquote best song. Yeah, and you're right. There is an equivocation there because uh, obviously truth is best (laughs) because it is right. And so obeying the truth is always right. However, there is, yeah, we talk about that qualitative spectrum. And and also it's sort of... um, one-dimensionalizing things um, when yeah. we talk about quality. Um, because I can say, well, God created the potato, so I can eat potato chips all day, right? <laughs> well, no, he created God a created lot of things. weed, thing. too. <laughs> yeah, he created a lot of things and expected us to use them rightly and in balance and know how to use them. So to take one thing and just say, well, obviously it's made by God, so it's good. Okay, well, that's like, we're talking about a, a four-dimensional, you know, yeah. a three-dimensional issue here yeah. and just kind of one-dimensionalizing it. Yeah. So basically we can't equivocate, equivocate moral goodness with qualitative goodness all the time. Um, Correct. Though they do intersect on occasion, it's not a one-to-one intersection. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good uh, summary there. So um, yeah, that's uh, thoughts right. on that and uh, good to deal Good to deal with that one. Um, yeah. I have a question here. Yeah. You don't mind ahead, me jumping please. in with one here. No, I don't mind. Um, yeah. <clears throat> So uh, let's say a scenario exists where you're with a group of people and you offer a compliment to someone and it's a genuine compliment because you were really impressed by something that they did or, or some, some aspect of their character that, that really was praiseworthy in a public way. And you comment on, on that and you compliment them in front of other people. Yeah. And, um, as you're giving the compliment, you're realizing that all of the other people that are hearing this compliment could have done the same thing. They were in the same scenario, but they didn't do the same thing that this praiseworthy person did. And you realize as you're offering the compliment <laughs> that you are in a sense passively insulting those who did not do the thing. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in a scenario like that, is it wise to offer the public compliment? And even if you know that it is in a sense leveling some sort of conviction on the others, 
and insulting them in some way. Is it wise to do that, or is there ever an occasion where that's good to do? Um, I well, I think there are certain. Yeah, you can't just um, generalize and say it always or never uh, in that situation. I think there are times when um, it could be appropriate to do that. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and and some of it. <laughs> yeah, it's just part of, part of it goes to motivation, though motivation doesn't sanctify everything. Like, well, you know, I intended it to be good, so therefore it was good. Yeah. Um, but well, can, sometimes can, it's if truth hurts, truth hurts. Yeah. You know, and if I if I say to one of my kids, "Hey, I really appreciate you taking out the trash," and all the others are like, "Oh, well, I guess I should have taken out the trash." Well, yeah, yeah it would have been nice. But well, I mean, can, that's not why I was saying it to like slam you. I was going to encourage that child to to keep having that. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, can, can I offer maybe a more specific scenario? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll enjoy this. <laughs> no, it's, it's maybe not as scandalous as, as, as you might think. Um, I, I recently issued a compliment to someone because there he's an older guy and he's got some health problems and he could very well stay home from church the days that he's not feeling well. And... Mm-hmm. In front of other people, in a sense, there was a, a larger conversation happening. Um, I, I voiced how encouraged I was that despite you not feeling well, that you soldiered on and, and that you're here today. And, and I appreciate that. And, uh, and I think that's, that's praiseworthy. And as, as I was issuing this compliment, I'm realizing that there are other people in the room who routinely stay home from church for lesser things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. And I thought, I hope I'm not insulting them. But by the time I had finished the sentence, I had already galvanized myself once again to essentially say, well, if it insults them, it insults them. It's still true that this man, uh, I believe, deserved um, uh, a commendation there for, for you know his attitude about church. And But I realized I was, in a sense, passively insulting others. And I thought, oh, yes. no, <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, well, well, again, I, I do think there is some element of motivation there. You know, you say, I, you know, I meant to encourage him and to, you know, express my gratitude to him. But I realized in expressing it while I'm doing it, uh-oh, this could be showing of other people. Well, you weren't um, insulting others in the sense of, I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, at the definition right now of insult. I guess it's more the uh, thesaurus of insult, you know, other, other ways to say it. You know, were you trying to disparage and discredit uh, yeah. other people and drag their name through that? No, you weren't trying to do that. You actually were telling a true thing and, and praising a true thing about this person. Yeah. If other people see themselves in light of that um, and, and are bothered by that, well, then they have to deal with it. Now, people are going to stand back and say, well, that can be a form of manipulation. And they're entirely right. Um, and maybe I shouldn't say manipulation, but, uh, you know, well, to some degree, manipulation or persuasion or influence, like pastor makes these remarks to try to make some of us feel bad or something like that. Well, some might, and, and in some ways, is he trying to influence? Uh, is that necessarily bad? No, they may just be taking it bad. Yeah. Maybe your pastor, um, maybe he goes, and I'm not talking about you, but maybe a pastor goes too far and he tries to encourage, um, you know, uh, utter faithfulness in a way that you feel like, I don't even think that's really reasonable. Well, then as a person, you just have to deal with that internally, maybe even approach mm-hmm. the pastor at some point if it becomes enough of a problem. I'm just saying, if somebody says, well, that made me look bad, does that automatically make you bad for saying it? No. No. Uh, they're going to have to deal with their own feelings and perceptions about it, and if they need to come to you because they're hurt by it, okay, 
you know, fair enough. But your your motive wasn't obviously to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I. I mean, that you see how it can't be generalized. You you see how scenarios like that can split a small church. You know, somebody comes to the pastor and says, you know, you said something to so and so the other day, and that made me feel bad. You know, essentially, and and yet you realize as they're telling you that that in a sense, yeah, they kind of needed to hear that at the time, mm-hmm. and they really should feel bad. Um, and then you don't apologize for for saying it mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they think you need to. So now they see the pastor as a guy who wrongs people and doesn't apologize, and uh, and then you end mm-hmm. up with a big mess. <laughs> right, right, and and it all has to go back to um, you know, God's design for our interactions in different ways. So I mean, okay, if I if my interaction wasn't wrong. And I feel like I can explain that to that person yeah. if they refuse to understand and 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 assume of me that I intended evil and to harm them, then that's yeah. that's kind of on them. Yeah. And 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 as a parent, you know, you can try to discuss if it was my kid, you know, I'm not I'm, t- I'm taking it out of the local church context. And if it was my kid came up to me and said, "Well, that made me feel bad," I would say, "Well, hon, you know, it wasn't meant to make you feel bad. It was meant to encourage somebody else." However, um, you know, can't can't a lot of us grow in this area? And if if in that encouragement you feel convicted, well then just take the conviction as from the Lord and and try to you know better yourself in that area. Yeah. Now that would be to my kid. To a to a church member, it would, might sound different, but there is still an element of shepherding there. Mm-hmm. And so if in feeding and giving them an explanation, um, they refuse it. I mean, you know, it, it, there's only so much you can do. But yeah, I see what you're saying is in a small church situation, you don't have 500 people. You, you, you know, if, if you say one thing and, and there's only five present or three present, mm-hmm. maybe it looks more directed and more pointed. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. interesting. Yeah. And th- this is the stuff I never used to think about before ministry. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody needs a compliment, you issue a compliment. There you go. There it is. Put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, it's, there's a whole different level of minute thought that has to go into everything that you say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Similar, similar to that, um, and I hadn't thought about it, this wasn't on the list, but I, springing off of what you're saying here, is I have done this more in personal conversation, um, and I just want your take on this, um, not so much in a crowd uh, to say uh, where everybody hears and maybe they kind of need this encouragement, you know, or they need this direction, but to say to give people a compliment, which by your compliment could cause them to think of people who don't match the criteria. What I mean by that is I'll say to somebody, and, and, I, and I'm thinking of two different people or couples um, uh, as I say this, and I say, uh, I appreciate your being here. Or I appreciate your being available or being willing. Um, what I'm saying is that that goes, in one, in, in one instance, I'm thinking of an aspect of ministry where uh, you're being willing to jump in there and help really is a blessing because... Um, there, there are times when people have ability, but not a willingness. Yes, you know, or a whatever. And so, I'm giving the compliment to to encourage that thing. Now, could that person go? Oh well, there's other people that you know. Could they start judging other people by it? Yeah, I suppose, and might come up to might come up with an accurate conclusion. Now, was my my intent to like badmouth other people in like this coded language? No, not primarily. Not not really. It was to say. Thank you for this quality, yeah. knowing in my mind that I don't see it in a lot of people, you know, in, right. in everybody, put it that way, in everybody. Um, so what's your what's your thought on that? Is that uh, I, if, I, if somebody else could take what your compliment and analyze other people by it and think, okay, he's, he's complimenting me on this, which means, you know, 
if they extrapolate that out, is that a problem? No, I think that's fair game. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's really the same scenario. Um, just a different flavor. Yeah, it's very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I I think that's that's fair. Um, speaking of insulting people, (laughs) um, all right, bring it. (laughs) Oh, oh, you. This is. no this is actually another <laughs> have i ever told you what you look like in the <laughs> <laughs> i got a lot to get off my chest here um now that we're talking about it yeah all right what um, say you so i have another question written here excuse me that is kind of along the similar lines here of insulting okay. but in a different way it's insulting someone after you're dead okay um okay. do you have a last will and testament i do it needs to be updated but yes I yeah do. Yeah. Yeah, I I do too. uh, And I have for many years and I'm working on updating it uh, presently. And um, there's just a thought just crossed my mind as I was reading about wills, because, you know, I like to read what the current laws are about wills and testaments and things like that before I Mm -hmm. make any changes. So so let's say you, you write some things into your will where you bequeath certain things you know yeah and you love that name bequeath, bequeath. yeah I, I it's a word that i both love and hate at the same time it sounds very <laughs> regal but at the same time it's very irritating sounding word very irritating <laughs> yeah. um but uh anyway so you write somebody into your will and then you have your residuary estate so basically anything that is not directly bequeathed is just the residuary estate that is left over after all uh, expenses and, and funeral costs and debts have been paid by the estate. Whatever's mm-hmm. left, that's the residuary estate. And and usually it passes from a man to his spouse. And then if the spouse is, uh, is, is not uh, surviving him, then to the mm-hmm. children. And, and then if they're not uh, surviving him, then to someone else that you can designate. Mm-hmm. And you can designate all down the line. You can go as crazy sure. as you want with that. Right. Um, and, and that way, you know, you don't end up with your estate, you know, ending up in, in court for forever and whatever. And probate. But, yeah. So mm-hmm. y- you write people into your estate, however large or small it might be. Mm-hmm. And, and someone else in the family did not get written in to the estate, let's let's say. <clears throat> you you kind of don't have to worry about it because you're going to be gone, right? <laughs> but your family members won't be. <laughs> they will have to live with this relative assuming there is one and 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 uh, they'll have to live with this potential insult in the family in the, in a situation mm-hmm. like that knowing all that p- could potentially go wrong and the problems you could cause in your own family do you just bite the bullet and 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 write someone into your will that you really don't think should be there or do you just not write anyone into the will and you know <laughs> and, and how how far do you go with this because even though you won't be there, you might cause problems for your family. Yeah. Well, um, I know this sounds really almost trite, um, but I'd say you, you just do right. And by that, I mean, if giving if giving money to somebody, you know, this inordinate amount of money just, just to so they won't be unhappy or so that they won't be offended, but it'll essentially destroy them or go to further the wickedness of their life, don't do it. You know, um, they they can, you know, whether... Whether someone is offended, um, that's an, that might be another conversation. Well, it, is it, the fact that somebody's offended means that you offended them. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there, no. There's a two way two way deal. No. Um, so if somebody doesn't handle things right, does that mean I give them everything they want? No. No, but like I say, you know, to be clear, it's not about the money. It's more about the gesture. Mm-hmm. You know, that someone would say, "Well, they didn't write. They didn't write me in." You know. Um, it's almost the gesture is kind of like a slap in the face in a way, or could be in in certain scenarios, right? Like, yeah, you have you have four children and you leave it to three of them. No, not and I'm not even talking about children. I'm talking about like the residuary estate. So, like, if something happened to like 
your entire family. Okay. Uh, uh. Um, cause just to be clear, you know, I, I love my kids. My kids are written into my will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's settle that one. here. <laughs> Let's settle like... that. Let's settle that. My, my wife and kids are all written into my will, but just in case something happened to all of us, you know, uh, what happens with the residuary estate, you know, so you yeah, start right. to, and I'd be personally offended if it wasn't mine. This is, this is getting weird. This is getting so weird because I'm almost like uh, moment of truth. <laughs> am I in your will? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I will, I will give you this. Oh. I thought about it. I thought about it and I kid you not. I thought, what can I bequeath to Daniel Fox? That will make him laugh hysterically <laughs> yeah. at the reading of the will. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Of course, it, isn't it also strange that every time we have this conversation about death, that in the in this imaginative scenario, I'm always the first one that goes. <laughs> yeah, we had this one conversation one time where you, where you like were talking about how you imagined somehow helping me brush my teeth as an old man when I'm debilitated. And, and, and yeah, my thought as yeah. you were saying that was why in this Wait, imaginative what? scenario, <laughs> am I the debilitated guy and you're there helping me brush my teeth? Like you're some spring chicken. <clears throat> Cause you drink coffee. <laughs> uh, ha, ha, ha. Just kidding. <laughs> Wah, ha, 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 yeah. ha. Um, uh, anyway, it's funny. Anyway. So all that to say, you know, as I'm, as I'm writing this, this will, I'm thinking about can all I, the Can I interject scenarios. here just a minute? Yeah. Because you have a hobby of going and choking people. I mean, what's up with that? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. And <laughs> yeah. So what's the, what's the, what's the chance that somebody's going to choke you back and it's not going to go well? You know, <laughs> you, know <laughs> you don't tap out in time. No, okay. I, I suppose I do Sorry. live a slight bit more of a risky life than you do. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh goodness okay sorry yeah. maybe i shouldn't take it that direction all right no, so that's okay <clears throat> case of the will yeah thoughts um man i mean the residuary estate I, again you just you can't really you can't I, my general thought is this you can't burden yourself down with how a hundred people are going to respond yeah to that extended circumstance you know i mean just like well, well, what will Aunt So and So say? Well, what will my friends say? Well, what about my neighbor? Well, what about the people at church? Well, what about that? If you constantly are living with what, what are they going to think about it? What are they going to think about it? You have to basically just say, uh, the best I know is this. Going back to a former discussion here, is this a wise decision? Mm -hmm. Is this what God would want me to do? Um, and have your, you know, have your reasons for doing. Honestly, I, it's hard for me to imagine as you're talking about after getting past your kids and and your spouse. Right getting to the residuary estate to other people. I don't, I, I don't know that I, I don't think I've thought that far right. um, to say, except where would the kids go, you know? Right. And obviously there's some part of the estate that goes that direction, but. Um, well, you see how it's a similar scenario to the compliment thing earlier. Yes, in that, I do. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a very similar scenario. You can, in a sense, by, by doing good to one, you're insulting the other and like in the scenario you talked about, you know, you issue a compliment to a certain couple, you know, I'm glad you're here and such and such. You could almost make the other people within earshot mad at that person. Right. And they might get bitter at that person and say, well, look at that goody goody over there. You know, er early on in this <clears throat> podcast, I remember you mentioning a couple few times the need for Christians to be charitable. Yes. Um, in, in their kind of their assumptions and their thoughts about other people. And you know, really that's that comes to bear here. If I if I, you know, say to somebody, 
after church. Man, that's that's special that you sang was a real blessing to me. Well, there might be three other special musicians, as we call them. I know that sounds weird, like the Special Olympics or something, but yeah. the special musicians, <laughs> you know, other other soloists standing around who say, "Well, he didn't he didn't say that about a solo. He's never said that about a solo that I've sang. So he must like that person more, or he must whatever." Um, they could become offended, or they could just charitably say, "You know, it must have been something about that song that really touched Pastor Fox, and he, uh, and that, and that, you know, and that's his, that's his, it's his right prerogative. It's his own, yeah. his own heart and emotions, and uh, and the way it touched him, he really was blessed by it. They don't have to compare it to them. Yeah. And why didn't he give me the compliment? It, that's just the matter of their spirituality saying it's okay. Yeah, you know, and that's he can assuming who he wants to. That's assuming a lot of people. Oftentimes, that's. You know, maybe maybe I'm slightly a more. A lot of people that have. That's assuming a lot of people. Of, of people, certain people. Of people. Yeah. I see. So, well, I mean, yeah. m- maybe I just, you know, I'm a little more skeptical of, of humanity. Um, well, seeing, not seeing that, that I am one and I know how they are. Um, yeah. Well, not to say that they all are that way, but again, should they. Should they be that way? And do I have to try to tailor my life to their unspirituality and say, well, since they since they probably wouldn't respond right, I probably shouldn't give that compliment. Well, I should I should withhold good to him and his due, even though it's in the power of my hand to do it because it might offend somebody else. Well, n- no, yeah. you should do what you ought to do. And if other people don't take it right, that's between them and the Lord. I mean, yeah. So as far as your will goes, I'd say go back to just do what's right. And uh, and if it creates a rift that, yeah, it does leave something for other people to handle, but God has given them direction on how to handle things. So yeah. they're not left without a knowledge of, oh, no, how do I handle the situation that Tom created? They just have to handle yeah. it uh, the way that God's given to them. Um, and, and so they might you might create an awkward situation. The person never responds right, and they have to sort of live with that feeling that, oh, that guy was sort of offended by that. Okay. Well, I mean, they're going to have to deal with it the way they feel like is best and grow and move on. Yeah. I know that sounds really... <laughs> no. That, that's, the, that's the kind of advice you sort of give when you haven't been through it, <laughs> you know, but... Um, <laughs> no, but that's that's the advice I hope for, and I and I kind of just look for justification to get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, on that note, on, on that maybe macabre note, um, yeah. that marks the passing of yet another episode of the Reason Together podcast, and... Uh, gentle listener, Daniel and I bequeath to you the elite patrons, the after show that'll be coming here in just a few moments. Um, for the rest of you, <laughs> you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, you can become an elite patron over there and you can get the after show episode as well. Uh, there's also an area on Patreon, on our Patreon page for uh, patrons to uh, converse with each other uh, underneath the episodes and to comment on the episodes. Uh, I'd love to see some more conversation happening over there. Uh, and also on the reasontogether.fm website, you can also join the conversation on those episodes there as well if you're not a patron. Uh, but we do appreciate you being here. Uh, as always, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. <laughs>